Hello and welcome to You've Never Seen Back to the Future, the film podcast where Leah's specialist subject is not knowing about films. Oh, that's a great specialist subject. Thank you. <laughs> You're happy with that? I am happy with that, yeah. I am. That's awesome. I mean, it's good that I've got some specialist skill, I guess. So I'll take it. I'll take it. Wow. Yeah, but just think like week on week, we're building your knowledge. So right now, you know, at best, nothing about films. And the way we're going, your knowledge is gaining like 0.1% a week. I think I want, I think I want a quiz. I tell you why. <laughs> tell um, me why. I really like, or you said some say quiz, some say test. I really do enjoy a test. So I feel like it would be good to do a little check of my knowledge, see what I've learned, what I've retained. But also I want us to rank these films because, you know, we've okay. had some surprises along the way. Con Air ranking very highly. If you haven't listened to that one, go back, check it out. It's a classic. <laughs> some others, not so much. A quiz sounds fun. Uh, it sounds the sort of thing that you might do down the pub with your friends. No, I'd like it to be a little Test bit more serious. sounds... A bit more serious than that. Test conditions, you know, no cheating. If if we're saying it's a bit more serious, then there needs to be like grades and maybe, I don't know, awards or prizes or something. Or is this just a bit of fun? I want a grade. Okay. Like at least. If I'm not getting a grade, I'm not doing it, to be honest. Do you care what the grade is? Because if we're saying the whole point of this is to test your knowledge, well, I like to succeed, you know, like, I just don't just get my MBA with distinction for no reason, loss. Like, I am, a, I like... It wasn't in films, like, though, was it? No, it was not in films, because I would definitely would have got a uh, a fail. But I, I will try my best, I really will. But if you ask me who directed Top Gun, I don't know. If you ask me to name four characters from Top Gun, I'm going to struggle. But I will do my best to... Right. Try. I mean, these are obviously going to be questions in the quiz slash test now. But if one of the questions is, can you name four characters and you can't, what sort of, and you were saying before about how, you know, you're competitive and you want to do well. What sort of questions are you hoping for? Let, let's just know. take Top Gun as an example. What sort of questions are you hoping for to come up in this quiz? Okay, for Top Gun, like, what is the overarching theme of the movie? That can't be a question because that's different. That's open to interpretation. Can you name three tropes that this movie exhibited? Or um, can you recall lyrics from any of the songs from this movie? Right, but character names you think is beyond you, but lyrics of the songs you're all right with. I could not do either. I mean, I can name two characters. <laughs> I can name two characters from Top Gun. Go. Maverick and Goose. And is that partly because we had a chat about Goose like 20 minutes ago? Yeah, partly. <laughs> I mean, right. I, was, I probably would have said geese. But anyway, look, I'll do my best. Let's see. I'm, I'm happy for you to share the results with our listenership. No, we'll, we'll, we'll do it as a as a special episode and we'll do it okay. so that people can join in. We'll do the questions and then we'll like come back at the end and do all the answers so that everyone can join in. I don't know how we're going to do it so that it is easy enough that you might get some right and hard enough to be of interest to other people. Because I think your stand, your levels may not be the same as the average person. That's okay. But I would say my grade should also reflect that. So, for example, if I get, like, 30% right, that's an A. Because I've... I mean, that's crazy. 
Well, no, it isn't. Because how many times have you seen Top Gun, my friend? And like at your age, you've seen Top Gun. I'm going to say no less than seven times. I've seen it once. So I'd like to tell you about a film, if I may. Oh, is it a film which you've seen many, many times and know inside out? Nope. Is it a film that you've seen once but really liked and you were going to tell me about? Nope. Is it a film that you've never seen but think that you know about? Correct. And with that, let me tell you about this film. This film is about a man handing in his resignation and then it documents the month that follows. We go on a gripping roller coaster ride covering all the misadventures and hijinks that all form from a chain reaction started with him quitting. The story tracks day by day, building towards the man's final day in his job. The film is a comedic masterpiece and a good old yarn for the whole family. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so two thoughts are going through my head. If you hadn't, did you say um, he gave her a month's notice? He did, yeah. Okay, so that rules out uh, two weeks notice starring Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant. Is it 28 days later? Yes! Oh, my God! Am I that bang on? Yes, absolutely. Thanks very much. Great episode, everyone. Let's uh, let's wrap it up there. That is incredible. Okay, yeah, that's exactly the film. Oh, my God, that's amazing. So, obvious question. What's his job that he's just quit? He does something in IT, but it's not important. I mean, the, the movie in no way cares about his role. So at what point, because this is something you're very good at, describe the opening sequence of this film. Where is he, is he at? He's at the office. There's going to be an absolute banging song, okay? And it's him walking through the office, like with the banging song on. He's like strutting through the office. Giving it high fives as he walks through. But it's from his point of view, right? Going through, saying like, hi, Bob, you know, hey, Sheila, this kind of crap. He's walking through and we're basically tracking him through the organisation so he can go knock on his boss's door and like serve him with his resignation. And and does everyone at work love him? Is he like the cool guy in the office? He is loved. Yeah. Right. He's loved. Been there a long time? Been there a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Good benefits? I mean, it's okay. Like he's by, he lives by himself. He's got a cat. He's not like in a relationship, doesn't have any kids. He hasn't really got any ties. But as I think I mentioned, this is like one of those films, which is like hangs together on the thread of this triggers um, a series of unfortunate events, right? Or a series of events which lead him to live the next 28 days in a very, very uncharacteristic style. Uh, uncharacteristic of him he's not yeah so normally he goes to work he goes home he feeds his cat he watches some movies you know he's a bit so of a what's the cat's name the cat's name's champion that's a shit name for a cat yes yeah, it's, it's a shit cat um there's nothing <laughs> remarkable about this guy he's really quite you know he's a nice guy he's well liked but he's not he has not done much okay um so, so i know i, 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 I want to focus on the bits which you don't think are important but when people watch this film they're going to be thinking about and when they're going to looking at that cat gang is it me or is this cat really shit explain to me shit cat not particularly attractive not particularly smart 
not particularly mm. gripping. It's not a cat that you go, oh, God, I wish my cat was like that. Or a cat that you go, oh, he's so cute. Or a cat that you're just like, wow, you know, he's got style. He's just an average cat. I, I don't want to sound nasty, but sometimes I forget that we've got a cat. Your cat's pretty average. Our, our cat is a... I, I barely... I don't know if our cat would recognise me. Like Our cat just doesn't really have much to do with us. She's not being... very engaged. I'll give her that, right? She's no. not like a cat that my cats, when you come in, they come up to you and they're like, hey, can we do some stuff? And we want some food and some strokes. And hey, we've shredded something. Hey, <laughs> fun times. Your cat just seems a little bit more like, you know what? I live here. Go fuck yourself. I, I think with our cat, it's almost like we've bought a house that has a lodger that's come with it. Mm. And, or like, you know, when you see some like, I don't know, like families sometimes and they're in their, you know, they get sort of like their forties, their fifties, their sixties, and their kid is still living with them as an adult and they just can't like, it's not that we don't love the cat. I just don't, I don't know if the cat loves us. Mm. Does, has no, it wakes us up every day, 10 minutes before we have to feed her throughout the night including 10 minutes before my alarm goes off. Now, she must know that if she waits another 10 minutes, my alarm's going to go off. I'm not a good morning person. Why Why does she not wait? I sort of blame you for that. Um, I think you've right. set that behaviour, to be honest. We do not get up. I've tried doing the thing. We had, when me and, and Hayley first started going out, I bought her, because we have to get up and feed the cat in the night, this, like, electric one where... You set a timer and it just opens and she wouldn't eat from it. She would come to us and I'd go to it and go, look, it's open. It's opened up. It's two in the morning. It's opened up. Here's your food. And she'd be like, oh, yeah, there it is. Like her thing is she just she knows that she comes and gets you and takes you. OK, and she feeds that her. isn't this shit. OK, his cat's just like <laughs> average. your cat's worse. Yeah, she's a she. I mean, Hayley's going to listen to this at some point. Obviously, we love our cat, but. It's, uh, we get very little out of having her. What was the one Terminator where she had, I don't know, an iguana or a bearded lizard oh, yeah. or whatever it's called or something? Yeah. And I was like, okay, maybe that's sort of trying to get you to, um, like, it's a reflection of her character, but um, I don't know, the lizards are very lonely animals, maybe, or something. So I thought maybe the cat was a reflection of him. No, this is more just about the fact that, like, the cat illustrates that he's, like, a carefree human. Like, he didn't go out and deliberately get the cat. He just sort of, the cat wandered into his house one day and he just kept feeding it. It's that kind of situation. Like, the guy doesn't have a commitment or a care in the world. And when he resigns, like, his plan is just to have a bit of downtime and then find another job. He's very employable. Um, Do we know know why he's, he's leaving? Just fancy to change, man. Just fancy to change. Um, and, you know, we're, we're led to believe he's got a bit of money. Like, not a lot, but he's got he's got enough money to survive. Um, he, he doesn't really need to be doing this job. And he's just sort of just wants a bit of a change. So Fa- Family money, like inheritance or something? I think he's just worked really hard, you know, saved up. He's got no, like I say, he doesn't do much. He doesn't got money. He doesn't do much. It sounds quite boring. Exactly. And that's the point. He is Mr. Fucking Average. He's reliable, people like him, but he's just average. But what happens is he resigns and it triggers this 
absolute fucking landslide of hijinks and and just don't hear the phrase hijinks enough just the chain reaction of circumstance and uh, the film is actually us just following him on the next 28 days and at the end of the film obviously here we are 28 days later and it should be his last day um and you know we're gonna we're gonna see what happens well we go on a gripping roller coaster ride yeah so that that sounds quite quite thrilling covering all the misadventures and hijinks so that, I don't know why I find that so funny. I just don't hear the phrase hijinks very often. I mean, uh, or from that chain reaction. I don't want to tell you. I'm not going to tell you about the chain reactions. I'm not going to tell you about all the stuff that happened in the middle. What I will tell you is on the last day, it transpires that he now owns the company. <laughs> so it's okay, quite, I wasn't expecting that. It's quite a series this is, of events. This is almost a little bit like Brewster's Millions or something. Haven't seen it. No, of course you've not. Okay. Um, okay, so he hand, he's very boring. He's saved up money because he doesn't really do much of his life. So we've got the very beginning. He hands in his notice. And then at the end of the film, we'll worry about this later. At the end of the film, he now owns the company. Tell me what happens in between. Tell I, me about the hijinks. I can't tell you too much um, about it. But basically, a lot of very um, odd occurrences happen. Um, and obviously, if you can, you can understand. If he ends up owning the company, there has to be some. Um, yes, he, he has a windfall. He does some investments, and he doesn't know he owns the company until he goes in for his last day, and then he's basically. So hold on, it, his hijinks is that he's making some investments. No, but like for example, say he on his first day. He resigns, okay? His resignation letter goes from his boss's desk to that of the HR department. And the HR department, in processing it, um, send him an email. Um, and the guy who is processing it is some, like, dumb-witted HR person. And he is, um, at that moment, doing something else. And he accidentally puts this guy's email address into... Um, a seminar that he's booking on, um, I don't know, corporate accounting or something weird like this. So he ends up the next day, he ends up getting, it's not corporate accounting, but let's say it's something, it's a seminar in Vegas, let's say. So the next day he gets an email or that later that day he gets an email from this HR, HR guy and he's enrolled on this seminar in Vegas on the company's dime. He's like, well, fuck it, you know, why not? I'll go. So he goes to the seminar and then whilst he's there, he ends up, going to a casino where he meets somebody and then he ends up putting a bet on and he wins some money. And then with that money, he decides to meet somebody and, you know, in whatever, it's just lots and lots of things happen. He's snowballing, right? Things happen. He's just going with it. He's like, yeah, fine, whatever. And one thing leads to another, but all these events are connected. So him resigning, HR guy processing his notice, puts his email address, into the wrong list he's got two spreadsheets open one's for offboarding one's for registering people for seminars lots of lots of these types of things happen over the course of these 28 days and this is what we're witnessing we're witnessing these types of events and over this lots of things happen he's going to meet someone obviously he's going to meet someone he's going to settle down with and he's going to fall in love and okay so this person the the person he meets yeah uh does it seem like they don't get on and you go, there's no way these two are going to end up together. 
I'm not sure it is like that. I'm not sure it's so tropey. I think this film, I, I think I described it actually. And I think, to be honest, I think it's one of my best descriptions yet. What I said was, this film is a comedic masterpiece and a good old yarn for the whole family. So it's clean. The kids can sit down and watch it too. And I don't think it is one of those complex ones where they hate each other and he accidentally tips a martini over her and she's like, oh, you fucking bastard. And then they fall in love and have rough sex in an outhouse. This is much more... <laughs> This is much more like they mean. I don't know what just happened that you got to rough sex in an outhouse. It started because the beginning of that sentence was it's a good old yarn for the whole family. It's very clean. And then it ended up sex in a barn. What I'm saying is it's not the sex in a barn film, right? It's it's the good. Right. Do you want to just name? Do you want to just name a couple of the sex in a barn films? Just so we, we know what sort of thing you're thinking of. Um... What's your classic Sex in a Barn film? I haven't seen a lot of films, but there are a lot of films, right, where people have sex under pressure. Like, for example, no, I'm not mean like coercive. I mean like they're in the jungle or they're in the forest and they, they don't know what they're right. doing or they're afraid or they're it's under just pressure. Just a release, or they've, a release yeah, of emotion. Or they've been put together in this situation and then they go from hating each other to loving each other too quickly. You know, that kind of like, I hate you, yeah. I hate you, or fuck, I'm in your pants. What I'm saying is, I don't think this film does that. I think this is a genuine connection. They meet, they like each other. Oh, that's nice. So that, yeah, I mean, he's a good, he's a good egg. Like, he's a good egg. He's not, you know, he's not like the the brightest or the smartest or any of that. But he's a nice guy. And and is something happening to him every day in this 28 days, or you know, or is it like a couple of days? We just like traveling. We start every day with him waking up wherever he's waking up. So in his bed, if maybe he's at a motel, maybe he's at a hotel, maybe he's in his own bed, maybe someone else's bed, maybe he's in the field, whatever he is, and we get whatever on the screen. It's kind of it follows that kind of um, that that narrative. Um, but it's funny. Some days might be really quick. They might be literally two minutes worth of footage. Other days might be longer, 20 minutes. You don't know. You don't know what you're going to get. It's just, it just depends on the day, right? It's like a box of chocolates, isn't it? You just don't know what you're going to get. I think you always do, right? There's a card in the box of chocolates. If you bother to look at it, it's like, why do people stay there? It's so My point is, Ross, this... Sorry. Sorry, hang on just a sec. When you say... Why do people say that? What What is it that you hear people saying? That life is like a box of chocolates? Yeah. And like sometimes... Because you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. And that's and, and you're just like, why would people say that phrase? That's so weird. Well, I always like, I'm like, what? Like there's no strawberry creams left. Like what was your fucking problem? Like, yeah, sometimes there are no strawberry creams left, but you can always buy another box of chocolates. Like get over it. Plus... What I would say about this film, what I would add about this film, is that it's probably late 80s, early 90s. Okay. And it's probably made by the people that make, like, family films. So remember we talked before about that man who, like, blew up his kids or shrunk them or something? He did both of those. He's, he shrunk his kids. He blew up the kid, uh, just one kid. And then he uh, he shrunk himself. Well, whatever one he did. That... Oh, th- I just told you, he did all three of them. All right, okay. I just told you the three things that he did, and then you said, yeah, whatever it was that he did. But okay. we're not married. You don't have to contradict me like that. So that whoever made that film, 
I think that was Disney. Yeah, then it's probably Disney because it's nothing. Is it a similar? It's a similar vibe. It's not like a Mr. Bean fall over comedy. No, it's not fall over. It, but it's like it's nice, and it's the sort of thing you could sit your seven-year-old and your ten-year-old down to watch and be like, "We're going to watch a movie and eat some fried chicken. Happy days." Was it? Is it the sort of uh, gentle Jim Carrey comedies when he did like a liar, liar, and that sort of thing? Is that sort of like family, family sort of comedy, like Vice Versa, starring Judge Reinhold. Haven't seen it. I've seen. A Jim Carrey movie where he, I only know the bit, I only know one bit in the movie because we just watched that bit. You know, he goes, my name is Cuban Pete, I'm the king of the rumba beat. When I shake my maracas, they go, that's the only bit of the film I know. That's the only Jim Carrey film I think I've ever seen. That bit of the film. That's the only bit of any Jim Carrey film you've seen. I think, well, what other Jim Carrey films are there? He's in my, in one of, I've got like three favourite films and he's in that. He's in uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Haven't seen it. No, of course you've not. Uh, let, well, I mean, look, my top three, We might look, let's get this out of the way because otherwise people will be writing in, Ross, Ross, what's the other two? Mary Poppins, Back to the Future, those three. No particular order. See Mary Poppins, fucking classic. So, yeah, good pick. Yeah, we've, as we've discussed, you've got the special boobs out edition. How many more films do you think you need to see before you're ready for Back to the Future? I mean, to be honest, I think I am already ready. Like, I don't think you're ready. Okay. Let's see how I do on the quiz, eh? Before we pass judgment. If I may be there, passing grade, we can take consideration from that. I think, I think there's probably more classics we need to tick off before we get to that we've done i think we've done some big hitters in karate kids particularly and the terminator i think those are two of the the big guns top gun we've done some big hitters i think we've got a few more like that to do before we can get you to back to the future because i'm not ready for you to not like it okay Um, because if you didn't like it we'd have to end the podcast because i couldn't bear to look at your face wow yeah okay i'm not ready Tell me more about, or can you tell me anything about how we end up owning the company? It is for an investment. So basically, he makes a load of money. Um, he wins a lot of money, let's say. Uh, he wins it on the lottery, but I'm not going to tell you how. What do you mean you aren't going to tell me how? He, you can't say he wins the lottery and you can't tell me how. I'd imagine he buys a ticket. He doesn't buy the ticket, but that's one of the unfortunate, well, not unfortunate, but one of the events, you know. It's like, I don't want to ruin it for you. There's like, you know, there's, there's lots of different part, moving parts. He wins some money on the lottery and, you know, again, he's not the most dynamic of people. He decides to get a financial advisor. It sounds very boring, but the guy's like, oh, we should make some investments. He's like, fine. It's a very, very side notey thing that happens. It's just like, look, I just want to make sure that everyone's taken care of. Point is, he makes some investments. The company, one of the companies that he is invested in is a company that has just acquired this guy's firm. Because he has these shares in this company, he's actually a board member of of the company just by the the amount of money he's invested. So he ends up being the one of the owners of the company that he currently works for. So on his last day, he goes into the office to empty his stuff, put it in a cardboard box, and the guy who 
come from the other company they've met obviously because of the um because of the investment that he's made he's like oh hi brilliant we weren't expecting you please come into the boardroom sits him down and says i'd like to introduce you to who actually is the co-owner of the company and everyone's like what's the living fuck it's great and that's how it ends like in a in the boardroom no it doesn't end in the boardroom but that's what happens on his last day you know, his last, like, literally how it ends is him at home sitting on his sofa with his shit cat, his good dog and his really lovely girlfriend watching some telly and eating some ice cream and they're happy. The point of the film isn't that he's minted or that he owns the company that he quit. The point is that he's gone in 28 days from being lonely and in many ways just not having a great deal of focus to being really, really content and at the centre of his own life. And it's a lovely thing. It, it sounds like he was quite, uh, in the first place, he was quite, he was boring, but he was content. He was, but he was lonely. That's why he had chick hat. Champion's there because he's lonely. Like, <laughs> you, I, I just feel like you need to watch the movie and then you'll get it completely. Like, Okay. Yeah. It feels like a sort of maybe like a Sunday afternoon film. You go, you know what, let's just stay in today and we'll watch a film. We'll have a little... Totally. We'll some, you know, a massive pile of, like, fajitas, you know, like homemade. I would say, like, soup and a half sandwich after the Antiques Roadshow. You've nailed it. Oh, okay. We've got very different lives. I was thinking, like, a big pile of... What are the things called when you've got the chips and then you have guacamole and Nachos. meat and stuff like that? So I'm thinking like a Sunday afternoon homemade nachos with it. It's got like brisket that you've slow cooked and that sort of stuff. Guac, pile of that each, watching this film. <laughs> oh, it's funny. He probably falls over at some point. I'd imagine when he wins the lottery ticket, he loses the lottery ticket and it goes, or it flies out a window and he's got to run after it and it keeps, and then like old women with shopping trolleys exactly. get in his way. And got it, maybe got it. people people carrying a pane of glass. Yeah, you got it. You got it. This is it. This is all of it. This is maybe it. he somehow runs into like something that covers him with glue and as he turns around, a load of feathers fall all over him. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious just thinking about it. I feel like you're taking the piss now and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> And by the way, with that kind of like level of like just ha-haring, you're not ever been involved in my film production. So I think we should break now. I think we should watch the film. I think you should think <laughs> about what you've said. And um, we'll discuss it on the other side. Okay, let's go watch the film. Stay with us. And welcome back to the world. Welcome back, audience. Welcome back, Leah. I might have overdone it with welcome back to the world. Be ambitious. I was about to say I might have overdone it with welcome back, audience. So, yeah, fuck it. Let's go for it. I feel welcome back. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. I went big. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Obvious question. Did you smash it? I'm going to say no. (laughs) Okay. Just for a second, I thought you were going to say, I was. I am about 60% smashed it. Yeah, I'm going to say no, I did not smash it at all. And you know what's like really, really weird is, when I was thinking about what this film was about, I didn't tell you this, but when I sat down, I had no idea. I actually was like sat in the living room and I said to Ellie, it's either about a man quitting his job or it's about some fucking terrible zombie apocalyptic plague. And I was like, 
But that's done to death. So it's definitely the man quitting his job. Hey, so you're now going to claim that you could have nailed it, but you decided <laughs> not to. I swear to God. No, 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 no. I genuinely was like, no, it can't be that because there's already films like that called like Contagion. And I only know that because I watched that film at the start of COVID. And I was like, oh, Ellie, I found this film. We should watch it on Netflix. And she's like, are you taking the piss? Like we're literally, we've just been put in the lockdown because <laughs> of the pandemic and you want to watch a film about how a virus spreads. And I was like, oh, I hadn't really thought about it. So, yeah. So I've actually, I mean, this is going to be a weird episode, Ross, because I've learned a lot about this movie. Like a lot. Mm. No, no, seriously. Like, I think you'll be impressed. Okay. Okay. Do want, so, Do you want to know my thoughts on it? Well, what do you want to know? Because I've got a lot, I've got a lot to say on this film. I mean, a lot. Give me your overall thoughts on it, and then we'll go a bit more specific. My overall thoughts are this is an insanely good film. And I definitely top film we've seen so far. Um, And also, um, I did not feel that the whole way through. So it's a bit of a surprise ending, because by the end of the film, I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking amazing. I completely get why it's a classic. But a lot of the reasons why it probably is a classic were reasons why I was about to just bin it off at the beginning. So, yeah, so the first first five ten minutes is a little bit a uh, little bit tough to get through because there's I don't know whether those monkeys apes chimps whatever no one really cares the difference about whether they were real or not but that was a bit traumatic with with the that was animals. yeah that's not what bothered me I mean oh really beginning. yeah yeah I mean at the beginning so it threw me for a bit of a loop because I was like oh my god now I'm gonna have to talk about animal testing and that's gonna be a really controversial hot topic and we're not a political podcast so maybe we shouldn't get into it but then it moved on very quickly to where by he woke up in the hospital right and when he woke up in the hospital that was where I was like fuck me this is filmed on a budget because they couldn't even afford pants for him it would know just the whole thing when he was like walking through and it was like there was no one around. And, and then I was like, oh, my God, that's a Costa coffee. That's so weird. Like, why would there be a Costa coffee in America? For some reason, I assumed it was American. And then he was suddenly in London. I was like, why is he in London? I'm like, oh, my God, Ellie, is this film shot in England? She was like, yeah. I'm like, all right, okay. I'm like, why are there no – does something obviously happen? Like, why are there no dead bodies anywhere? Like, this is a bit of shit. Then he was like walking, 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 walking. And it was like, just nick a fucking car, mate. Like, I'm over this now. There's a motorbike there. Just fucking hotwire it. Like, stop fucking about so this beginning bit uh, hang on no, a sec not everyone knows how to hotwire i don't know how to hotwire well you figure it out get your fucking phone and like google it it's like two clicks isn't it? can you hotwire a vehicle i'm fairly certain i could yeah given the fact there's no one else around <laughs> i've got an untold amount of time and i'm like need to get from a to b i'm not going to fucking walk across london yeah so you're saying that you could learn how to do it i'm saying can you hotwire a vehicle right no, but if I had a phone or the means to connect to the internet, like I would have, He out. didn't have a phone. Also, are you telling me that not one of the vehicles knocking about had keys in? People fled in a panic. Somebody would have left their keys in the vehicle. Like, dude, come on. So my point is, this annoyed me. I was like, or a push bike. There would have been a push bike. So at the beginning, I was just like, oh, mate, you're just aimlessly walking through. There's no dead bodies. This is really weird. It looks like it costs about five pounds of film. What the fuck is going on? Like, oh, my God. So I said to Ellie, I, I can't watch this movie. I'll be really honest with you. I was like, I can't watch this movie. Like, it's be- in my head. Because of which, which, what was the thing that made you go, 
because it was like really, really low budget. It just it was annoying me. He wasn't being sensible about it. Like there wasn't any kind of plot. I was just I got hurt by it. Maybe he's. <laughs> I like the phrase that you've used both irked and hijinks in this. <laughs> like, I've never heard you say either of those things. But, may, look, but maybe he's a very moral person. He's like, look, I know these vehicles. I know there's no one around. I'm just going to take some. What if they come back and their car's not there? I mean, you, I don't think so. I mean, he's an idiot, right? He, he's come out of a hospital. Also, can I just say, sorry, product placement and sponsoring. Very, very, very... Um, obvious like sponsors throughout this film but we can come back to that but it, i think it's important that we do cover it like the pepsi machine like the reference to particular soft drinks yeah like the buttons obviously paid to like have their store be the one where they went shopping and like Kellogg's sure about budget. so anyway i i was ready to say like tap out tap out like fuck it i'll just i'll tell ross we'll just have to put this one off i just can't do it which i've never felt before but i was really feeling it nelly was like I was like, I just it feels so budget. And she's like, well, Leah, I think they made it on quite a tight budget. I was like, really? She's like, yeah. And um, do you know who actually made the film? And then she like, she like started talking to me about like stuff like this. And I was like, oh, okay. So she was like, and actually, I think it was quite a big deal because you know it's like made in England and people like that, and that's probably why it's a bit of a culty movie. So just settle in and let's just watch the movie. And I was like, all right. Do you want to say who made it? I I can't remember. <laughs> I'm sorry, I did know. It's the guy who did the Olympics, no? No, no, he... Was he the producer? The guy who did the Olympics... And the guy who... No, the guy who wrote it is the guy who wrote The Beach, she told yeah. me. It's her favourite book. Yeah, um, Alex Garland. Yeah, and he also wrote another book that she loves. So that's that was enough for me to say, OK, it's Ellie's favourite... One of Ellie's favourite authors, I'll watch it. But then it's Danny someone, isn't it, who did the Olympics and... Again, I was like, okay, well, he did the Olympics, which is but, weird, but maybe this will give me an insight into his mind. So, fine, I'll give it a go. Okay, but he's how did he get the Olympics gig? What had he directed that got him the Olympics gig? That's not number one on his CV. Oh no, she did tell me something else he'd done as well. And it was big. It was like, um, uh, not Hot Wheels, <laughs> um, something. No, she did. She I can't remember, but she did tell me that he'd also made another movie. But I don't know if he got the Olympics because of that movie, did he? I thought he just got the Olympics because he was like friends with the Queen or something. Right, I don't really know where to to go with that. No, he's he's quite a successful British director, as far as I know. He's not friends with the Queen, but okay. I'm I'm not friends with either of them to be able to back that up. He directed Train Spotting. That's what she said. Train Spotting. Okay, we'll just stop there then. Anyway, we got to the point, I'll tell you I'll tell you the markers in the film for me. So when he got the note from his parents that he just found dead in their bed, spoilers. Obviously I cried. <laughs> I cried. Yeah, that was a sad note. And I was like, fuck me, this is intense. Like this is not the type of film I thought it was. The guy has not quit his job. Like, we're not in for a fun romp. This is definitely not something for all the family. Like, fuck, this is serious. Sorry, I was going to say, so that that's a really good point, though, because your film starts with him walking into the office, high-fiving a few people, going to see his boss, handing in his notice, going, there's my four weeks, yeah. and uh, I'm out of here, and then hijinks into you. This film starts with animals attacking people, David Schneider, who, as far as I'm concerned, is most famous for being Tony LaMesma from the Alan Partridge TV programs years ago. Uh, monkeys attacking people, people s 
vomiting blood in each other's faces. It's a pretty rough start. Then he wakes up in hospital, stark bollock naked, literally. Yeah. Right. Number one. Now, I don't want this to be a theme of the podcast that I talk about other men's genitals. Okay. Yeah. But he wakes up and you show him and he's in the hospital bed naked. Why was he naked? Since when do they put people in a hospital bed in a coma and just leave them naked? Two, what was the need to show that? And three, if you know that you're, as an actor, you're going to be in a film where you have got to get, you know, everything out, would you not have a bit of a trim? I feel like there's a couple of responses to this. One, I didn't spend a lot of time looking at his junk. I I didn't spend a lot of time looking. I spent a lot of time thinking. (laughs) I don't remember if he was, like, pruned or anything. I feel like, though, this this is what gave it that whole very... The film, uh, and I will say this for it, uh, at the beginning I wasn't thinking this because, like I said, I was kind of out. The film is very, very believable. And that is what I absolutely loved about it. So I know it sounds fucking mental because actually, fuck me, really? We're all going to die from some rage virus. But the way it was shot, like, I think it's believable. Like, the people obviously in the hospital fucking panicked and somebody had the presence of mind to lock him in the room and put the key under the door and I can really see someone doing that like you've been caring for someone who's in a coma you've got to leave now now like the poor guy maybe they were halfway through sponge bathing him who fucking knows but <laughs> they shut the door and they were like maybe he'll wake up let's give him the key like, I thought that, that was, was such an amazing like thing to think because normally in a movie yeah. they don't cut they don't get that level of detail and I really felt like, although this was filmed on a budget, it actually felt so well thought out. When I look back on it at the end, when I was loving it, I was thinking, fucking hell, this is, I was like, this is a fucking cinematic masterpiece. Like this. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. That's a quote. Cinematic masterpiece. Genuinely thinking about rewatching the movie because there's lots of stuff that I would have missed because maybe at the beginning I was like, oh, a bit annoyed by this. But I, and also I feel like this movie gave me, like the proper feels for why people watch movies more than once. Cause like I watched Sound of Music more than once and that, and that is about it. I watched Mary Poppins cause I like it. I wouldn't watch a normal movie more than once. So once you've seen it, it's done. It's dead to me. Get out, move on. Next one. I'm never watching any of those other movies again, ever, ever, ever. Even the ones I liked <laughs> this, I might even go for a second view of. Well, Seriously. Soon or, or cause I've not seen this. I reckon since I first saw it, which is what I, I guess best best part of twenty years ago, whatever. I've not I, I've not seen it since then. I've not had an urge to see it since then. I just feel like there was bits of it. Like for example, we're skipping ahead a bit here, but you know when they get to the the, the Christmas tree house, the Christmas tree lit up flat of those the people, the dad and the oh uh, yeah yeah yeah, and he takes him up onto the roof and he's like, hey, like I'm trying to get water because we're you know we've got we've got a bit of a situation. And this guy, a bit of an odd character, right? It, like I warmed up to him, but at the beginning I was like, you're a bit creepy and I feel like you might try and kill someone. Mm. Um, he has got all these things, what baby baths, he's got buckets, he's got ice cream tubs, he's got laundry baskets, which fucking holes in. And he's put them all on the roof to try and like collect water. And it's like, even that, it's like, it's so fucking stupid. You wouldn't catch water in a laundry basket with holes in, but there is a tiny amount at the bottom of that which would get a little bit of water. And if you were desperate, you'd take anything that you could get. And I just, 
this is why I say it was believable because it wasn't like, oh, look, I've got 46 bu- buckets that are all the same. No, I've got every single thing I could find in this apartment. Because box. he couldn't, it's not like he could go down to budgins and buy stuff. He really? had to just get whatever was available in to him. Box, wasn't he? All those trolleys like ramped up. He was like, literally, he packed himself in there for like to try and protect him and his daughter. Were you making notes going, right, if, if, just in case this happens, I'm going to... No, these are good tips an umbrella upside down that sort of thing i'm i've got some you know i've got some good skills i, I don't need to take notes from this movie thanks but well you can't even you can't even hotwire a car like we've got survival supplies have you got survival supplies <laughs> this is a totally different conversation for another time no no no. let's go into this because obviously you've got your secret code words yeah you've which we've had two listeners say that uh that they also have Ooh. so that's two out of however many million listeners have have a code word so you've got a what a like a suitcase full of tins of beans that sort of thing yeah basically so what happened next then in this film and this is quite important as part of my film watching journey i then sure. got to the point where i was like do you know what they're in the flat they're drinking creme de menthe and i'm like i don't think i'd bother did you think it was poisoned I wondered. I did, yeah, I did wonder. Yeah. The whole thing, just he was cr- fucking creepy. And I realise now it wasn't really creepiness. It was just relief. And again, this is another reason why I love the film. Like that guy, the way he acted, I don't know if he's famous or not, but the way that he was as a character was so powerful because at first you just thought he was a fucking knob and a bit of a weirdo and, yeah, probably going to poison them. But actually when he got on the balcony and she, he was like, oh, look, the walls are thin. I, I overheard you. You're right. We do need you more than you need us, blah, 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 blah. He was so desperate to get to that place that he'd heard on this radio broadcast and all this sort of stuff. When she sort of said, no, it's not going to happen, that kind of anger that came up in him, like that that fear that he wasn't going to be able to keep his daughter safe, all of that stuff. I was like, oh, my God, this film is incredible. But at the same time, I had this realization that, like, I wouldn't bother. I was like, I said to Ellie, like, if you're dead and Ted's dead and everybody I love is dead, and most probably, like, I'm never going to see any of my family again because the world's a fucking mess. I'm not fucking bothering. I'm with his mum and dad. I'm getting a bucket of pills and I'm fucking swallowing them. What is my fucking point of trying to set off on a fucking journey from London to Manchester when there are all these fucking people puking up blood who are going to literally rip out my esophagus, which is going to be really, really painful. And then I'm basically going to rip out somebody else's face. I'm like, I'm not going to bother. Would you bother? I was like, what, what's my motivation to bother? There is a little bit of me that wonders what it'd be like to be a zombie. But you, these aren't even zombies, right? These are people that they're like, they're. I, if I understood it, and I don't think it was properly explained, only at the very beginning, they are. It's rage. The virus is rage. It's like you know they were making him watch all of those horrific events that happened in the yeah. world. It's like I get angry sometimes. I have hot rage, yeah. So when things piss me off, I'm angry for like two seconds, but I'm so fucking angry for two seconds. If I had to live like that, Jesus, man, that'd be awful. But I wonder, I mean, this takes us back to the Terminator episode where you, you, or what you thought the Terminator one was about, where you said he's like with every, you know, he knows what's going on and it breaks his heart with every kill and everything. In, In your words, classic episode, go check it out. There's a bit of me that's like, if you're a zombie, you sort of, 
you you don't have to worry about like the drudgery of like you're not like oh i've got to get up early for work and and this sort of stuff of like oh no my my building's insurance needs renewing these guys they just they get up they 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 have a quick bit of anger they rip someone out i don't think being a zombie is a i just don't think being a zombie is a bad life for me i'm like no i'm not sure i want to go through this everyone i love is dead the first thing i'm going to do okay I'm going to go to Downing Street. I'm going to read some documents. I'm going to go to Buckingham <laughs> Palace. I'm going to jump on some fucking beds. I'm probably going to look, look through like some drawers. On your hot wired car. Because now what we've turned into is you're going to have some hijinks. Yeah, I'm having some hijinks. Yeah, so now you've turned into it. I've gone, you know what? I'm going to hand in my notice. I'm going to give it 28 days and uh, I'm going to have some hijinks along the way. So yeah. you're, you're going to Buckingham Palace and you're jumping on the bed. You're going to, you know what? This isn't a bad idea for a film, this bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it all. I'm doing, I'm doing 10 down the street. I'm going to go through, I'm going to find information about shit that no one knows about. Like stuff that I've genuinely wondered about. I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do some shit. I'm just going to do some things that I fancy doing that you can't always do. Like, wouldn't it be cool just to be in, say, Harrods or no, even better, Hamleys and the toy floor and just be able to like get anything you want out of the box? Be like, fuck it, I'm just going to get this out of the box. <laughs> That's it, you're just going to get it out of the box. That's as rebellious. You know what, I'm going to go to a t- I'm go to a toy shop and I'm going to find some really good toys and I'm going to take them out of the box and then carefully play with them and then put them back in their box again. You don't want to affect the value too much. Why on all the expensive shoes that you would never buy because they're too expensive? Like, go and say, like, oh, you know what? Try on shoes. There's no one around. You can do what you want, and you're going, I'm going to try on some shoes. I'm going to steal them afterwards. Oh, you're such a rebel. What I mean is, just there are certain things in life that I would never do. If I won the lottery tomorrow and I had, whatever it was the other day, 245 million, right, I would give most of that money away hand on heart i would there's no fucking way i am spending more than 150 pound on a pair of shoes it's not gonna fucking happen i'm sorry it's ridiculous so i'm gonna go i'm gonna buy still the most expensive shoes i can find then i'm gonna go and try on some ridiculous clothing that again i would never ever pay for because and then i'm gonna get myself a nice bag practical but something that again (laughs) is reasonable and then I'm going to set off. I might get a scooter. Who knows? So did, my... you, did you say something that was still reasonable? Yeah, like reasonable as in like, it's got, there's no point getting a fucking, like something on over the shoulder, is it? You want something on your back, it's going to get you from A to B. You're still in a fucking apocalyptic situation here at the moment. But now with some nice luggage. Exactly. But now you're kitted out for it. You've got some glasses, probably. I've got a scarf. I don't know, a neckerchief. Whatever's happening for me. <laughs> you're doing it in style. My point is, yeah, fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna smell good as well. I'm gonna get myself some nice perfume. I'm just gonna live my best life. You know what? I I think I'm leaving some money. I don't think I because I'm I'd be thinking they're gonna come back at some point. The world's gonna repopulate, they're gonna come in at shop, someone's gotta do a stock check and they're gonna know this stuff has been nicked. And they're gonna look at the security cameras and know it's me. I'd feel too guilty. No fucking people in the shop to pay. It is an empty still your morals don't change. No, no, my morals change. In this situation, <laughs> I'm being funny. The guy had to baseball bat the shit out of a child. Your morals change or you die. There's a line in the film, right, where someone says, I mean, fuck me, if I'm remembering lines in the film, it really must have affected me. Wow. Yeah. You someone normally says, barely remember the title. Exactly. He said, who did you kill? 
right? Yeah. And the guy says nothing. And he said, who did you kill to be here? You wouldn't be alive today if you didn't kill someone. Who did you kill? And he says, I killed a child, right? And that's the point, right? It's not – and then the guy actually says back to him, but you had to. Like, it, you didn't have a choice, right? It, well, this isn't about – I mean, yeah, I don't need a cape and a neckerchief, but at the same time, like, fuck it, I need something. So let's – I'm – I'm going to take a neckerchief. I'm genuinely quite proud of you right now. For <laughs> really? One, you're, because you're quoting film lines to me. But dude, and you're going, film... and that you're going. That's what it's about, man. Like you, like we've talked before about. Uh, I can't remember which episode it was, and I was like, you know, the point of films is that in some way they touch you, in some way they connect with you, and yeah. even if that's you know, a, you know karate kid and it's like you know he's and he works his way up and he's you know getting beaten up but he finds something that he believes in people who believe in him and this was a it's about finding some sort of connection and it doesn't always happen with a film and we've watched all of these films and like you said even the ones that you've really liked you've gone it's you know con air so go back and listen to it it was ridiculous but you liked it Loved it, loved it. Whereas with this one, you're like, you remember lines from the film. This film genuinely, honestly, it made me it made me think and it made me, like, it challenged me in the way that I don't think any of the other films have done because, I, because it was wow. believable. And towards the end, like, when they found that blockade, I'm going to have to tell you the truth now and you're going to probably be really angry with me, but I made Ellie tell me who, if anyone died halfway through the film because I couldn't cope with not knowing and you know I've told you before like normally I make her tell me everything I didn't make her tell me everything but I made her tell me if anyone died and she said one person died and I was like who dies and she wouldn't tell me I was like you don't tell me I'm gonna stop watching the movie so she told me he died but only five minutes before he died so it wasn't like I had like massive spoilers why do you want to know that like why why do you want to spoil your own enjoyment I don't think it's spoiling it it's for me it's like there's a level of and this is so weird and it's probably far too deep for this podcast but in life, I never, ever feel real anxiety ever about anything. I'm not anxious about things. I'm just like, whatever happens, happens, right? Life's life, fuck it. When I watch a film, I can't deal with it. I'm like, anything could happen. Like, they could throw, they could kill all these people. I don't know what's happening. I'm, I'm not, this isn't my life. I don't have any control over it. I need to know what happens. The minute I know, I'm fine. I can just watch the movie. When I don't know, I'm just sat there like, I, 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 I'm in a state of like high high anxiety I guess that's what anxiety feels like I'm not really sure but I feel uncomfortable and I'm not I can't be at peace I'm like whoa so I'm genuinely the complete opposite to that that I am in essentially constant anxiety what whatever I'm doing I'm I'm overthinking I'm worrying about coming every time we do this podcast just before I'm like whoa you know what what does Leah think of me and what if it's not good and what if I'm not good what if you can't say stuff and what why is she doing she is this just out of sympathy and all of these things fucking mental. but when I'm watching a film but when I'm watching a film you're just lost into the film like it's and then you go I don't need to be anxious because this isn't real and even if like for my favorite character and it dies well they're not really gonna die because I'm gonna see him in some other film so it's okay oh the, do you know what this that actually makes me feel sick because if you feel like I if you feel a tenth of what I feel when I'm watching a movie in life I don't know how you cope because it's fucking horrific and isn't it weird that we have that exact opposite because in life I never feel like that I'm like and that's when it matters, right? It's like in life, it actually matters what happens. In movies, you're right; it doesn't make any difference. But I cannot, I cannot. I feel like I'm in. I 
my skin is like wrong when I watch them. That's what I feel like. It's so weird. My skin is wrong. My skin is wrong, yeah. What else have you got written down? From the blockade, I stopped writing. So I think, again, that probably tells. Uh, the only other comment I've got is insanely good film. And I wrote that at the end because I was like going through that whole journey with them when they got to the, but they got to this place with all these guys and these soldiers and some of them aren't right. And they've obviously got some like issues. And I can really believe that they've like come together and they, they really believe. It reminded me of, did you ever um, read Lord of the Flies? No. You know, for anyone who isn't aware of it, it's basically this concept of like what happens to people if you put them in an environment without any rules or government or structure, even children, and how they like reinvent, you know, their laws and the way the order, social order and all that kind of shit. It's really good. But anyway, this is what's happened, right? In what, however many days it is, are we saying it's 28 days? I guess 28 days later. Oh my God. <laughs> in 28 days, but in 28 days, they've completely and utterly taken it onto themselves to decide to repopulate the earth. And they, they've done it in a way that they've set up hierarchy and structure and all this kind of crap. And, you know, it's, again, it's completely believable because I think this is what people do. They form these kind of like fucking weird cliques in society. And they've got this guy who's trained up outside in this Doctor Who is like leading them, which again was very upsetting. I didn't recognize him at first, and then I recognized him. I was like, oh, "Fuck!" How do you never recognize people who look exactly like how they look? Because he's not Doctor Who. Do you know the story of Chris? This is going to sound weird. Christopher Eccleston's foot. Okay, so our mutual friend Matt used yes. to live in a place in Highgate. We were in his house one time. He said, oh, see that house opposite? He said, that's where Thingy, that's where Christopher Eccleston lives. And we we're like, oh, right. And he went, and that, there's a window with it. You could see, you know, it's just, you a window and there's this chair. And he said, every evening, he just sits on that chair with a laptop. It's like, it's perfectly framed in this window. And he's like, I've no idea what else is in that room. All you can see is a window and a chair. And every day, you know, you can see him sitting on it. So we come back up a couple of hours later, we come back up and we look through this window and the chair must have moved slightly because all you could see was a man's leg. And he was like, you must have moved the chair. And we just spent about 10 minutes looking at Christopher Eccleston's leg. Wow. I'm quite jealous of that. Do you think that's going to make the podcast? The edit? We should leave it. Yeah. It's a very interesting, like that whole situation is really interesting when they're there and they've like, they've built this society and they're like living this, this weird ass life. From that point, I was completely and utterly engrossed. I was like, fuck, what are they going to do now? And then when they were like, you know, oh my God, they're going to kill him and they're going to fucking rape these girls and like their lives are just going to be fucking horrific. And then she, I really thought she was trying to kill the younger girl. And then again, when you, she was like, no, no, I just, I just want to make it so that you don't care what happens to you. And it's mm. like, fucking hell. Like, this is so, like, it's so believable, right? Not, I'm not saying like, oh, yeah, put a group of men in a house. They're going to rape every woman that comes in there. I'm just in this setting, in this film, that these guys had been there and that he, this man had promised them that he would bring people and that they would, you know, be on this path and, I can completely buy into everything that was happening. Yeah, okay, it was a little bit like oh, fucking. It didn't cross the realms of possibility. It still maintained like, okay, it's not probable in places. If you drive a cab over all of this, you know, crap, you're gonna gonna make it, or the likelihood of you surviving against the house full of these fucking rage filled things. 
but it was believable. So when he wakes up in the cottage, you're like, what the fuck's happening? And then, you know, you go out and she's like sewing, sewing and all this kind of stuff. But again, really, really, really powerful. Just the way that they kind of shot that whole last bit. What would you have called this? Because obviously we, we all remember, you know, Karate Kid really being called Bad Apple and the man and the machine, etc. 28 days later, an appropriate name? I'm going to say yes. I mean, it's not so good for the episode naming, but sure. No, no, true. I, I was wondering, actually, I think you could have something about the rage. Like, definitely you could call it something about, like, survive the rage. <laughs> like, seriously. Survive the rage. Also, I've got a bit of a worry about um, what the fuck they were doing with those monkeys in the beginning. Like, did they create this by making them watch all that fucking horror and hatred and nastiness? Because, like, that's what they were doing to that monkey. They were literally making him watch all of the shit that's ever happened. But Tony the Mesmer says that it's about... Who the fuck is Tony the Mesmer? the, The scientist guy at the beginning. He said, fuck all. All he said was, "Get like, don't do it, don't do it, don't touch him, don't touch him. It's rage. What yeah, but what he said was that they had to give them something to be able to understand it and to cure it. So was the purpose, what they were trying to do, is make the monkeys angry so that they could cure the anger and remove rage from the world? Oh, we see. Was that... Again, were they trying to give them context film? to rage? As in, like, the monkeys felt rage, but they didn't know why. And they were like, here, we'll show you why you feel angry. We feel, you feel angry. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think there's, like, an inbuilt rage into animals because of, you know, people in third world countries going hungry. I don't think they were like, oh, that explains it. That's, that's where this inner anger is coming from. But don't you know, like, think that they can see sadness? They can sense sadness? There was like- yeah, but I think they were putting rage into them to see if they could cure them from having rage. A landmark episode for us. It's a real mar- milestone, a film that you've said that you're going to go back and revisit. Genuinely, I am glad. Today, I'm glad that we're doing this podcast. Like, I'm glad. And, you know, to your point earlier, I genuinely am so thankful we're doing this. Like, and I look forward to it every time. Like, I look forward to recording. I look forward to the... I don't look forward to the film watching. I said this earlier. I was like, the bit of the podcast that annoys me is watching the movies. But that isn't true for this film. I genuinely, I think for a moment, I realised, I, I felt like what it must feel like for people who like watching films. That's what I felt. So does this make you more enthusiastic about what might come next? Because if this is what this one's like with you, um, you know, there could be others out there. There could be. I think we have to be realistic. I think the batting average is going to be quite low. I don't think this is going to transform me into a film watcher. I'm pretty sure that we're probably going to come back and tell you the next film's bollocks. But, you know, what it means is there's hope, right? There's hope for a better future. Um, And there's hope for the fact that I can become a person who watches and enjoys movies. So, Well, we said the other day that when we were going to do another few in this series... We'll discuss that. We'll do a quiz. We'll do an we'll do an end of term special where we'll do a sorry you wanted a test rather than a quiz, and we'll let you discuss all of the films, compare them to each other, score them out of ten. I'm looking forward to it a lot. All right. In that case, until next time. Until next time. Bye.